Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1022 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, September the 23rd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can uh, support the podcast wherever you like podcasts as well, on Twitter at Locked On Raptors, on all your favorite podcast apps, and of course on YouTube where you can subscribe and be a pal and be a part of our little online YouTube community. So, uh, with that, thank you for being here. Thanks for making this the first listen of the day, and let's get to today's show with a wonderful guest, a returning guest of the show, a frequent mailbag question asker as well. It is Freddie Revis from the wonderful Confederacy of Dunks podcast. Uh, Freddie, how's it going, man? I'm doing good, man. Uh, You know, always happy to be on the show. Always happy to comment uh, with some questions on Twitter, you know. Yeah, uh, we, we love having you be part of the show in all different forms and fashions, Freddie, and very happy to have you here today as uh, you were granted special behind-the-scenes access. We're recording this on Thursday before the top 124 of Ranking Every Raptor is posted to RaptorsHQ.com, this podcast posting after that posts, but I gave you the list ahead of time so we could chat about it just because schedules work that way and it just lined up for us to do it tonight. Um, so yeah, we're going to dig into the top half of this year's version of Ranking Every Raptor once again. Again, if you're not familiar with Ranking Every Raptor, it is an annual piece I do for RaptorsHQ.com. This is the fourth version of it. It takes way too much time. I think way too much about uh, where their dude should slot in, whether they should be ranked ahead of or, ahead of or behind Pops Mensa Bonsu and other names like that. Uh, it's a strange exercise, but if you're a diehard Raptors fan, you're probably, probably, probably digging a little bit. So, Freddie, you yourself are a diehard Raptors fan, and we're going to dig into the top half of the rankings today. We'll get to the sort of top 10-ish guys, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, the fringe top 10 guys like Norm Powell, who of course is no longer with the team, but was of course a big part of the team last season before the deadline. We'll get to them later on in the show, but we'll start near the middle, I guess, of the rankings. We left off with Yuta Watanabe as player number 125, and we move into the sort of top half of the list, and... I guess the place to start here, I don't really feel like talking about Terrence Davis, honestly. He was really bad, uh, probably shouldn't have been playing at the start of the season before his uh, court case was figured out. They got a second-round pick for him, fine, whatever. I'm glad to not have to talk about Terrence Davis anymore. Mm -hmm. But I do want to ask you about Stanley Johnson, who is this year's biggest riser. He was 195 after the 2019-20 season and this past year without having to do a whole lot because really it's not that difficult to jump in the middle part of these rankings because a lot of these guys played like 30 games for the team. Um, Stanley Johnson moves from number 125 to number 117, a 78 spot jump by far the biggest jump on the board here on the strength of that time where he was for a second the best center the Raptors had on the team. Uh, He played a lot this year year 
varying degrees of success. I think there was kind of a crescendo of good Stanley Johnson, middle of the season. Everything around it was kind of what you expect from Stanley Johnson. But Freddie, is Stanley Johnson a worthy climber of 78 spots in the rankings to you? Was this surprising to you? Or does this feel like it's just about right? He is sandwiched in between Joey Dorsey and Quincy Acey, our favorite undersized big men with large shoulders. Uh, <laughs> Stanley Johnson himself is muscly with shoulders. He fits into this group perfectly, I think. Yeah, I think you know. I think he nailed it with Stan, with the Stanimal. He's he's not light in the butt, so you know <laughs> he fits there too. And reading this whole list, uh, for, and I have to say too, Pops Mensabansu and names like that, like I know I'm in the right place. <laughs> I'm with my people. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's you know Stanimal is a good example to me of even when the Raptors aren't super successful at development. Mm-hmm. They can, you know, they can turn a guy into the most productive version of himself. And sure. like, I even felt good that he got a contract with the Bulls this year. Like, yeah. you know, I, I don't know if I, yeah, would want him on this new era of the Raptors, but <laughs> I feel like he, he was entertaining. He had that, like, you know, that game winner. I, I don't know if it was against the Nuggets in, in the bubble. Um mm-hmm. He he definitely was a guy that just kept working and wasn't always uh uh you know on in nurses good books, but yeah, yeah I, I think he's a good example. You know he was drafted pretty high too by the Pistons and and you know committed to going to the Raptors G League. Like he, he he's someone who who worked really hard, and I think mm-hmm. not every guy that works really hard is going to become a starter. So yeah, uh, he's very worthy of like, you know, traveling a long distance uh, in your in, insane, insane <laughs> categorization of the Raptors. I, I think the thing about Stanley that you forget is, yeah, he was like a vibes champion of the team for a couple years there, particularly last season, but even the year before when things weren't going so well for him and when he did play, it was kind of a disaster. Like, like you mentioned, he willingly went down to the 905. He did not have to. You only have to be, you only get sent there sort of against your will in your first two seasons. After that, you need to give permission. And he's, like you said, a former lottery pick. Like, he very easily could have said, I'm not going to the G League. I'm a lottery pick. You're going to deal with it, and it's fine. But he was very eager to do that, which I thought was great. And then this season, yeah, like I wasn't necessarily a huge fan of all the minutes Stanley Johnson played this season, but also what were the other options? It was a pretty slim pickings there with all yeah. the bodies that were out for COVID and injury and all this stuff. And so... Yeah, I think just based on the strength that he was kind of there all year and did have those moments as like a small ball five where he was making passes. He was hitting threes at like a reasonable rate this season as well, which we never really had seen from him before. Mm -hmm. I I totally respect the season Stanley Johnson put in. He was no longer a guy that kind of made my eyes roll when he went on the floor. He wasn't like in the Patrick McCaw zone or anything like that. Um, you know, did, did, certainly not like a, a guy that I'm upset about not being part of the long-term plans or anything like that. But yeah. as far as like likable workmanlike players, he ranks pretty high. And I think kind of fittingly is in between guys like Quincy AC and Joey Dorsey, kind of in that same milieu. Um, other guys in this tier of the rankings, Freddie. So DeAndre Benbury comes in at 112. And 
of all the guys, I kind of went through the sort of back end of the roster, and I think he kind of ended up being the highest rated of all those guys last season. I guess first, like, do you agree with that? Was there someone else from the roster last year who was sort of in that sort of back half of the roster, the Utah, um, you know, Patrick McCaw, you know, all those other guys that would have been in the first part of the rankings that we talked about on Tuesday. Am I right in putting DeAndre Bembry as the top-ranked guy of that bunch, or is he maybe a little bit overranked here at number 112, sandwiched in between, of course, the wonderful players who are Zon Tabak and Ed Pinkney? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I don't know if this is unexciting, but I don't have the strongest opinions about Bembry. Like, you sure. know, I was excited about him as a Raptor. I feel like he was one of the guys that, didn't get I don't want to say didn't get a fair shake by nurse but it seemed mm -hmm. like it took him a while to get you know kind of in the rotation then I think he was one of the guys that you know fell ill to COVID and yeah it just seemed like he could have been a bigger part of the team last year but before you know anything could really manifest for him it was like you know the season was over and nothing matters and looks like he's not, you know, he's not coming back. So I feel like he's sadly kind of just like a blip uh, on mm -hmm. the Raptors radar. Like maybe, you know, I, I guess you can't keep rising Stanley, but like I maybe even have Stanley <laughs> over him. I, w one guy I was thinking about is, uh, is McCaw. Uh, and yeah. not because McCaw is like good, just because <laughs> I like weird Raptors things. And sure. The, the, the you know, the championship lore, the fact that he was like won three rings in a row, two with Golden State, one with us, <laughs> and all all the Raptors champions for me, I don't like like when I was reading your list, I was like I was finding ways in my head for all the different champions to like work them way like work themselves up a couple slots. That's so, fair. I, yeah. <laughs> I should note that uh, Malcolm Miller uh, became the first ever person who plays, who was on the list to, to interact with the list earlier this week. Uh, he replied with a little shoulder shrug emoji at where I had put him. I think he wanted to be a little bit higher. So I'm going to bump Malcolm Miller up next year based on the strength of that shoulder shrug emoji. Yes. Um, 100%. And, and going into that, you know, guy who is on the championship t-shirt. Yes, he gets a bit of a bump. I don't disagree with you there, Freddie. That's a pretty good point. Um, with Benbury, I think it was that, like, the reason I kind of have an affinity for him is that when they were at their best, he was at their best. He was at his best, sorry. Yeah. Like, he was really good just kind of connecting the best players on the team. Like, he was a wonderful fifth option. Yeah, he wasn't much of a shooter, but, like, a really good cutter, great defender, like, little tertiary sort of ball handling chops. Mm -hmm. And I think... It's a bummer that his season went the way it did because when everyone went down in March, he was kind of left there like the second ball handler on yeah. the team. And that was not the role DeAndre Benbury should be playing. Like he has those point guard instincts from when he was at St. Joe's and was the point guard there for four years. But like that's just not his bag in the NBA. He's not much of a guy who can blow by dudes. He's not much of a shooter, a pull up guy or anything like that. And I think he was miscast down the stretch of the season as like one of the lead ball handlers for the team. And it was unfortunate that, the, that it went the way it did. I think he's going to be awesome on the Nets this year. Like, I think he's the perfect kind of guy to just, you know, do the Bruce Brown thing and be like yes. a wonderful role player between all the superstars. And I'm sad we don't get to see more of it. He was a wonderful vibes guy, too. It's a shame we didn't get more of like him in Toronto. I feel like he would have been a fan favorite, um, you know, totally. good quote and all that stuff with not for all the zooms. Um, but yeah, DeAndre Bembry comes in at number 112. And then we move into the top 100 where 
we're going to have, I think, some more sort of notable names, obviously, and guys who were big, big parts of last year's team and figure to be even bigger parts of the team coming up next season. We'll get to that in a second here, Freddie. But first, should tell you about our friends over at Built Bar, who are making the best tasting protein bars I've ever had. And I'm not much of a person who's ever liked built like protein bars before. They're kind of gritty. They're kind of sandy tasting. Built Bar does not have that problem whatsoever. They taste like a regular candy bar. They have nine amazing flavors in their staple lineup for you to check out. They've got flavors like mint brownie and salted caramel, strawberry orange, which is surprisingly excellent. Uh, and they also have limited time flavors too, like cookie dough chunk, which is in my fridge right now. And I can't wait to mow through that box. I'm trying to hold back a little bit because uh, they're going to be something that I, like as soon as I start eating them, they're going to be gone. So I haven't yet had one, but I know it's going to be good. Cookie Dough Chunk is available on the site right now for a limited time, and you can get all those staple flavors or the limited time options when you go to Built.com. And when you use the promo code LOCKED15, you're going to get 15% off of your order. That is the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Go get yourself some Built Bars. All right, Freddie, let's continue on here and get into the top 100 of Ranking Every Raptor at number 89 I have Malachi Flynn coming in, uh, and then just a little bit ahead of him, Ken Birch, Gary Trent Jr. at 82 and 81, respectively. Um, It might seem weird that I have two guys who played fewer games combined than Malachi Flynn played for the Raptors this past season ahead of Malachi Flynn. I have reasoning for it, but I'll go to you first here, Freddie. Do you have any qualms with where I've ranked Flynn, Trent, uh, or Ken Birch, of course, uh, Gary Trent Jr., the second Gary Trent to appear on the list as Gary Trent Sr. comes in uh, in the hundreds somewhere. I don't know exactly where. I mm-hmm. don't want to. I can't find it at the moment. But either way, uh, yeah, he comes in at 123. So he just starts off today's list. Um, either way, any issues with Flynn at 89, uh, Birch at 82, Trent at 81? No, I, I like that you have uh, Trent and Birch ahead of Flynn. I mm-hmm. also feel like, you know, like Malachi was, I don't know if I'm just too focused on development here, but he seemed like a, another guy that like, is, he's going to rise a lot on the list. I feel like, yeah, but yeah. right now he just, you know, wasn't able to get, you know, with Lowry and Fred, you know, there just wasn't really space for him. Um, Trent is like, I, I just, you know, side note on him. I love that. He just debuts ahead of his dad. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. that's great um i, <laughs> I know, thought about putting them together for like symmetry's sake but it seemed unfair to gary trent who senior junior sorry who like already has like the eighth highest scoring game in raptors history in 17 games played <laughs> yeah i was i was watching the other night um his game winner and and just yeah. like you know the way he carried the ball uh up the court and I, I don't know if it was sataransky but like that just, just it was a very like dramatic play, and mm-hmm. you know, in a season as rough as that Tampa season, like you just gotta, you gotta give big love to someone who like has a moment like that, like you, you mm-hmm. know, and you know, I, this isn't a part of the discussion, but I have to bring up just because of like weird Raptors lore. If you could make a way for Derek Martin to you know be in the top hundred, <laughs> that that stupid three point streak mattered to me so much at the time yeah uh, and the fact that he kept it alive like you know uh, not really but yeah you know he was in the top 100 of the original list there have been too many new guys in the last four years they've bumped him out but yeah that's very fair the, like, the three to keep the mav streak alive is until like fred van vliet started hitting all those threes against the bucks the biggest three in franchise history right it was like it was a pretty <laughs> big it was a big deal like you know um 
I'm going to say Kem Birch is uh, also where he needs to be. I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, t- touching on part one a little bit, um, you know, hear- hearing you talk about uh, just people did pile on Baines, but I mm-hmm. think Kem also did prove that the mercenary center strategy could have worked. And, yeah. you know, and I don't know if it's like, the magic are just so poor at developing guys or, <laughs> or what, but you know, Kem, like he came in, he came in excited, you know, he's a Canadian guy and just like he hit a couple threes. I don't know if he's a three point shooter, but he just seemed to be like so coachable instantly. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, again, I wouldn't call him like a lob threat or, you know, I feel even if he's our starting center this year, I don't think that's like, the best case scenario, but I feel sure. like he'll be able to incorporate himself in the system pretty well. And, and, and already did. And like, you know, as soon as he got there, you could just see life was so much easier for Pascal, for OG, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for Kyle. And, and again, like, I feel like now I'm piling on pains, but <laughs> just, you know, let's look. it's okay. Oh. Everybody's got to do it. Everyone's got to get I it know. out of their systems. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard not to, because it's like, that's the reference. Like, yeah, you know, and I really I was excited about Aaron Baines, which makes me whatever. Um, yeah, Kem Kem is good. Yeah, you know he's where he belongs. Trent too, yeah. I think, because you know they'll they'll both also potentially climb up the list. I th- I mean Gary Trent for sure. I think is going to climb. Oh, I think both are going to climb. Like again, we're still in the range where like Jermaine O'Neal is at number seventy four, so it's not exactly yeah. difficult to climb. We're still in the range of guys who spent one year with the team in a lot of cases. So just by virtue of getting a second year's worth of stats or a full season's worth of stats in the case of Birch and Trent, like they're going to climb closer to the top 50 by virtue of just being there uh, and also figuring to have pretty prominent roles this season. Yeah, I figured putting them together made a lot of sense too, just because both kind of came in around the same time, both played similar amounts of games, both had like pretty you know, important roles during the time they were playing. Obviously, Trent missed time, and then he really struggled in his last 10 or so games yeah. after coming out guns a-blazing. But he came out so guns a-blazing early on that I figure you have to put him up there at 81. Um, you know, he not only the 44-point game on 17 of 19 shooting that I uh, went back and looked up today, but also had the wow. game winner against the Wizards in, like, his third game with the team and didn't miss a shot, it seemed, for his first few games there. So um, I think that is... Uh, I'm glad you don't totally disagree agree with where I've got them ranked. I, I was worried I might have put them a little too high, but you know, they were 17 and 19 games, but they were pretty damn good 17 and 19 games for those guys. Um, let's take a quick look at Chris Boucher. The second highest riser on the list this season goes from number 88 up to number 50 uh, into the top 50 and uh, you figures to keep on climbing. Is I don't know if I'm wrong with this with Chris Boucher. I have him sandwiched in between right now. Oliver Miller at 49, Rasha Dostoevich is 51, Bismack Biombo 52, Jakob Pertle 53. It's kind of like a big man run there. Mm-hmm. Am I too low on Boucher? I always find myself seeming like the guy who doesn't like Chris Boucher, and that's not true because I do like Chris Boucher a lot. I think he's a delightful player to watch, wonderful player to have on your team for an 82-game regular season where things need to be exciting. He's outstanding for that. Playoff-wise, I'm still not totally convinced that he's going to be any sort of meaningful contributor when things really get down to the wire, but maybe that doesn't matter right now. Am I too low on Boucher? Too high? Do I have it just right? Have I found the Goldilocks zone with Chris Boucher? What do you think here, Freddie? Okay, so this is our first, I don't want to say disagreement, but I do feel like he could be a little bit higher. I'm just looking at the list now. 
you know, Oliver Miller is obviously classic, you know, Kevin Willis like had his own type of dream shake, but mm-hmm. I-, I think Jamario moon had, had some highlights, but Boucher, you know, he was, Again, I'm going back to our development system, but like he, mm-hmm. he's a big part of the Raptors 905. You know, I'm pretty sure he won a defensive player of the year there. And then work and MVP. Oh, uh, and MVP. <laughs> My God. Sorry. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's much better. Um, but you know, he's, he's a huge part of like this, this team's vibe and this, this transitional vibe. Like, I guess mm-hmm. I can't give him points for this year, but he had, you know, some big, big stat lines. Uh, yeah. and, and I, I think, you know, I think it was right before the pandemic, uh, you know, time's all weird, obviously, but he had that, that Laker game that was just incredible where, you know, I think yeah. like in LA, a blocked AD, I think maybe blocked LeBron also. Like it was, yeah, it was just, that was very, the game where yeah. Kyle had gotten hurt the game prior yes. and everyone's like, Oh, this is going to be what sends them on their death spiral towards trading everyone at the deadline. And then. That like bizarro benched group of Rondé, Redacted, and Ken Birch just like, or sorry, not Ken Birch, Chris Boucher just like uh, totally took over in that Lakers game. I remember tweeting in the first quarter of that Lakers game after Chris Boucher made like a poor play. Uh, I don't think Chris Boucher is an NBA player as much as we'd like his passport or as much as his passport, you know, m- makes us want him to be. Yeah. And then he went on the Chris Boucher run that continues to this day. So, uh, I'm a, I'm an idiot, I I'll, guess. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll say this so so you don't feel alone. I I, I yeah. remember telling a close friend that I don't think the Raptors can ever be competitive with uh, Boucher playing meaningful minutes. Sure, but I feel I don't know. I feel, he's kind of an interesting player because I feel like he never there like you know he keeps running up against this thing where it's like he's tall, play him at center, and yeah. I just feel like he's he's a pretty good wing and. Mm-hmm and a not good center and that I, I and you know hopefully that's solved this year but i feel like that's mm-hmm. a, a big part of his career with the raptors is you know been us slotting him like i hope uh, obviously pascal is going to be up for a bit but i hope boucher is just like locked into pascal's backup and yeah and is told that you know you can just fire away dude uh just go for it from three all year because mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he's, he's just developed so well, and like his his wing defense is good, and I do think he suffers from trying to do nurses' system where he's like running around like crazy and trying to block shots. Like as yeah. mu- as much as you know, those three point blocks look good. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a bunch of plays where he's like fouling a guy on three and. It's frustrating. Yeah, he's not exactly like the disciplined closeout artist that Pascal is. No. And, you know, it's hard to be that because Pascal's really freaking good at that. Um, with Boucher, yeah, like I, I think he'll be better off as like a full-time four. And I'm hoping that's the role for him with Birch and Achua likely taking the minutes at the five. And even if they're going to go with like an OG Siakam Boucher front court for times to like close games, which I could totally see, mm-hmm. I would hope that OG is kind of the nominal center there. And you have Boucher yeah. kind of doing the wing thing because the dirty little secret about Chris Boucher is he's like actually a shooting guard. He's just very tall. Yes. Like, <laughs> he's, that's what he is. He's a shooting guard. And he just can't, really kind of hang positionally defensively Mm -hmm. at the two so you have to play him in the front court because he's tall 
Um, but I think you get the best out of him when you're playing him next to like a stationary big. We saw that yeah. like the best moments for Baines last year were next to Boucher and Boucher kind of vice versa. Some of his best moments were playing the four next to Baines. And so, you know, I think Boucher and Achua is going to be a, front, a fun front court. I think Boucher and Birch, whenever they play together, if, you know, Boucher starts next to Birch with Pascal out at the start of the year, I think mm. that's going to work well. I think the roster's kind of built. So it's not like, okay, Chris Boucher is the team's only guy who we can kind of pass as a center. I guess he's playing 25 minutes at center tonight. That's not going to be a thing. I think it might just be a closing time thing where they can kind of you know use the matchup, switch a whole bunch, and make it work. So um, totally. I think Boucher's in for a pretty big rise. Uh, so if you're disappointed in his ranking this year, Freddie, I feel like he's going to be like I'm if he furious. The rate he's been on, like top 40 for sure at some point soon here. Like he's, I guess. Okay, let me let me pose this to you. Corey Joseph is at 30, currently the highest ranking Canadian on the list. Do you think Chris Boucher? passes Corey Joseph obviously it's entirely determined by me so it's hard to predict but <laughs> I could just easily go oh he's one behind Corey Joseph to go back and retroactively make you wrong I won't do that because I'm not a monster but um <laughs> do you think he stands a chance at, by the end of this season surpassing Corey Joseph as the best Canadian in Raptors history I I think he's got a pretty good chance like you know it's starting to get like you know we're not quite in the journeyman territory of your list so like i mm -hmm. think you do have to have some raptors credentials but yeah if he has another you know solid season if he's like part of some type of you know bench mob like you know if yeah. he's part of a good unit and contributes to some wins like i i think this raptors team you know is going to be maybe not top heavy but deep in a weird way yeah. and i yeah. think you know part of its identity is going to be like long limbs and mm -hmm. he's he's a part of that and i think he's going to be a good part of it yeah the talent at the top end might not be awesome but they're extremely flush with long weirdos and that yeah. is uh gonna be awesome um freddie we're gonna get into the top part of the list the top 20 ish range here and talk about og ananobi norman powell of course pascal siakam fred van vliet and kyle lowry who still happens to be number one not much drama there he's kyle freaking lowry he's mm -hmm. not going anywhere despite leaving the team this year uh we'll get to that in one second freddie but first want to tell you the people out there about rockauto.com you should be going to Rock Auto if you need parts for your car. It's simple as that. I am a car dum dum. I know nothing about cars. I don't. I knew. I, had, I learned how to boost a car like two weeks ago because I left the car light on too long when I was camping and we ran out of battery. And I had to learn through a video how to do it. I'm an idiot when it comes to cars, but. I could navigate rockauto.com damn well because it's so simple. It makes it easy for professionals and do-it-yourselfers alike, and it's saving you money as well. You might go to a chain store and get charged, like, I don't know, for example, 350 bucks for a Honda Odyssey fuel pump because that's what they've written in the copy. Guess what? When you go to rockauto.com, you're getting that exact same part for 216 bucks. Maybe you don't have a Honda Odyssey. That's okay. You might have another car. They're going to have the similar price disparity when you go to rockauto.com and search for the parts. And it's not just the cheaper price. You get more in terms of choice and options and specifications and brands and all that stuff, which makes you feel like you're in control instead of the mechanic kind of taking you to the woodshed and uh, charging you for everything you're worth. Either way, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in there. How'd you hear about us, Box? And know that we sent you as well. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you'll ever need at rockauto.com. 
Today's show is also brought to you by our pals over at betonline.ag. We're back and better than ever, and all eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, betonline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50, sorry, not 50, 100% welcome bonus. That's a 100% welcome bonus on your initial deposit. Double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100, all one word, to get that special deal. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. They are your online sportsbook experts. All right, Freddie, let's round this out, shall we? We move into the upper reaches of ranking every Raptor. The next player to come in is OG Ananobi in at number 16, up from number 19. A little sort of addendum or change to the list I've made this year that I've long been sort of ruminating on and finally pulled the trigger this year is I moved Doug Christie up. Um, He just feels like a guy who really stands the test of time you know, second all-time in steals, played a million games, had really good numbers for a long time, and I think he was unfairly ranked below the likes of Danielle Marshall, Tracy McGrady, uh, and uh, TJ Ford as well. And so I moved Doug Christie up to number 15 on this year's list from number uh, 18 last year. And I'm feeling pretty good about it. I've got, uh, again, OG at 16, one spot behind Christie. Probably set the jump Christie at some point soon here, but the longevity for Christie puts him at number 15 for me. Number 12 is Norm Powell moving up from number 14, passing Amir Johnson and Antonio Davis. I do not do that lightly, but Norm had a really great season and a really long time of uh, destroying the Milwaukee Bucks on the Raptors' behalf. Uh, Fred Van Vliet is maybe the most interesting one I want to talk to you about here, Freddie. He moves up from number 13 to number 9, passing Damon Stoudemire, uh, and Damon Stoudemire goes down to number 10. And then uh, Pascal Siakam, stagnant at number 6, still room to move up. I think he's going to pass Bosch at some point here, but did not quite get there this past season. And then Kyle Lowry remains at number 1. Not a lot of drama there. We don't have to run too long on Lowry or Siakam just yet. But I want to ask you first about Fred Van Vliet. So I moved him from 13 up to number 9. Uh, he's passed not just Amir Johnson and Antonio Davis, but but also Serge Ibaka and, as I mentioned, Damon Stoudemire. Um, am I wrong to put him ahead of Damon? Uh, it feels like it's time. Fred's been around longer. He's played more games. Damon's only played 200 career games for the Raptors, and while his numbers were excellent, I feel like the long-standing contributions of Fred have now kind of superseded Damon Stoudemire. Am I too sort of like quick to cast aside Damon or is this a matter of not really having to hang on to those last glimmers of hope from the early days of the team and actually being able to embrace new guys who belong in the top 10? I I think it's exactly that. And I feel like I'm going to one up you even a little bit. I feel like you could have Fred ahead of Jonas and Jose. Oh, that's, that's, I know. Seven, maybe not Jose, but you know, I feel like, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I love JV too. So the, the, it seems weird. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm like bashing all my my favorite people. But <laughs> Fred, you know, has a combination of like, I like when I think of of good Raptors moments. Mm-hmm. Like one of my first go to moments is, you know, his his battle cry uh, in, yep. in 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 uh, Game Six. Uh, yep. And and he's a he's a champion. Like and mm-hmm. and and he also now, I, I guess it's in the again the weird Tampa year, but 
he's the single game, uh, you know, scoring record holder. Uh, yep. I said that in a weird way, but Fred, <laughs> Fred I, I know it was against Orlando, but that's his now. And yep. that's like, that's just, he's that's deep, deep in a Raptors lore. And um, it, it does feel weird, you know, like uh, with Damon. And I think you bring up a good point of like holding on to these guys that like kept things going for us and like kept mm-hmm. the torch, but we had a bunch of good years and then we won a champion or we, you know, we won the championship. And then even, even the next year we, where we where we ended up losing to Boston was like a really, really tight series where, Oh yeah. You know, I, I don't want to be too much of a Homer here, but I feel like we, you know, could have, beat Miami. I mean, maybe, but we could have went to the finals again. And we, we, I think we were closer than, than a lot of people realize. Yeah. And, and Fred was just like, you know, he tore up Brooklyn uh, in, in that first round. And Fred's just like a really, really, and maybe this is me looking forward too much, but you know, if he averages like nine assists a game this year, I'm not Mm going to be very surprised. And I, I, I think he, more than anyone else really is going to be the guy that carries like that, you know, the attitude of, of, of Lowry forward. You know, I think Pascal is like this, like crazy Swiss army knife, super talent guy Mm -hmm. that, you know, I'm sure me and you both agree. People are way too low on, but Fred is in my, in, you know, my opinion, like no doubt the team leader. And, you know, even last year, I think obviously it was Kyle, but for me after Kyle, it was Fred. And even, even if Pascal was a better player, you know, by the numbers, I think Fred's the leader. And um, yeah, I mean, it it feels sacrilegious saying that he could be ahead of Jonas and and Jose, but (laughs) I think he could be. And and, and Damon too. Yeah, I think Damon, like, just, it's not enough longevity from Stoudemire, unfortunately, right? It's just two and a half seasons. Like, it's just not enough. And that's a bummer. Like, it sucks, but it's just kind of the reality of it, and and that's fine. And there were lots of losses involved in those two and a half seasons as well. You have to factor in the winning. Like, you could just do, like, a strictly statistical ranking of all these players, and it would be vastly different than what I have here. Like, I have Ben Uzo at, like, number 98 or something like that, because that one triple-double meant a lot. and actually was, like, the weird butterfly effect thing that might have set up the entire run for the Raptors in the back part of the of the 2010s. So, you know, that, that gets him, like, a bit of a superficial bump. But, hey, it's my list. I can do what I want. <laughs> With Fred, like... I can entertain the argument that maybe he should be higher than Jonas. I don't think I can go there with Calderon just yet because of the longevity and because Calderon was like a borderline all-star as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, was like for the longest time, the all-time assist leader and all that stuff. Like, I I think he still has an edge there. Jonas, because of like playoff success, I think I could maybe get to Fred there, but I I held off just for this year. If if Fred does it again, I mean, he's probably going to pass both Jonas and uh, Calderon next season, I would think. Like, if he just runs back the exact same stat line he had last year and just is healthy for the season, I think that's going to be a pretty substantial jump for him. I guess the question for you, is there any world in which Fred finds a way to surpass Pascal in this list? Because Pascal, I think, is, like, very clearly number six right now. I think 
Bosch, because of the All-Stars and all that stuff, the longevity, I still have him ahead of Pascal there. Um, as much as Pascal has more sort of accolades than Bosch ever picked up, awards and all that stuff mm-hmm. already, I don't think it's too far off. Like, a really great Siakam season could bump him into that uh, number five spot, I think. But is there a world in which you think Fred passes Pascal? I don't think it happens. I think Pascal's too good, but... Some people value Fred more than they value Pascal. And as we've talked about, some people think Pascal is a lot worse than he actually is. So maybe this is a question that some other people are entertaining. Yeah, I think Fred, you know, could be the, the like the leader of the team and, you know, the guy that everyone, you know, loves the most. But but Pascal has a couple things, you know, you just can't ever take away yep. from him. Like, especially <laughs> as a Raptors fan, like all NBA, like, you know, mm-hmm. that's there's so few guys you know, on, on in Raptors history that, that are all NBA guys. And yep. as good as Fred is, like, I think Fred could make an all-star team if he just, you know, ha- you know, he was almost like in that conversation last year for a little yeah, bit. I think had they not had the terrible start, he's probably, you know, one of those last spots. Yeah. You know, and I think like he could, so I think he could get like, almost like they could rise together. Like, you know, and they've, they've done that. Those two guys, like they've, they're very, they're very, very much connected, but I, Pascal, even the fact that he had like, you know, Pippin style numbers in our mm-hmm. finals run, like <laughs> I, I know it's debatable between, you know, Lowry and Pascal being the number two guy. Like I think most, yeah. people, most people would say Kyle um, yeah. after Kawhi, you know, in, in that, in that run. But, but Pascal was just like, if anyone doubts him, like just watch him carve up you know, the Sixers in that, in that first game, or, you know, just Mm -hmm. how good he was in that Warriors series is, is wild. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I think people have come way too far on him where, you know, they want him to be like a a Tatum style kind of like, you know, very methodical finisher. And he's opportunistic, like, you know Sean Marion style guy and I think Mm -hmm. that's harder for fans to appreciate but you know for me anyways it doesn't make him less special and and yeah long answer I don't think Fred can catch him short of Pascal like having a horrible season which I just don't think is going to happen yeah, I think I'm with you on that one for sure. A couple last guys to hit on here. I, I want to ask you about Norm Powell because this will be the last time that we uh, talk about him climbing up the rankings. It's very sad. Uh, he comes in at number 12. Look, his numbers overall, a little bit less sort of inspiring than, you know, Amir Johnson, Antonio Davis, guys mm-hmm. like that. Um, even Doug Christie. I, I just... I. I feel like so much of the last six years doesn't happen without Norman Powell. And so I'm compelled to move him higher than maybe his numbers suggest. Like, on numbers, he's probably, like, maybe even below OG, almost. Like, he's not that high up. Because he had some, like, pretty up-and-down seasons there. Some seasons where he was, like, the bane of Raptors fans' existence. That obviously is well in the past. In his last few years, sort of title run on were, were all really good. But, like, there were some years there where it was like, really? We have more minutes to Norm? What the hell? And so, like, that, I understand if you think he's too high at 12, and if, like, it's sacrilege to put him ahead of uh, Antonio Davis and Amir Johnson, but I just kind of think the number of times he owned the Bucks, the dunk against the Pacers, the insane seasons he had the last couple of years where he was just this efficient scoring monster, 
I feel like he's got to be in the top 12. I don't know. Am I crazy with Norm? Or, like, is this recency bias creeping in? That could very much be the thing. And maybe five years from now, I'm adjusting it like I did with Doug Christie this time around. But I don't know. I'm This is the one I struggle with the most, I think. And has always been a guy I've really struggled to place because mm-hmm. his stats don't tend to match the impact he's had on the franchise. Yeah, well said. I feel like, you know, I, I, I was agreeing with your points and your counterpoints. Like, <laughs> like, like... I, I, I think if I, you know, I had to just make a solid take right now, I would say I wouldn't have him above Amir Johnson only because sure. I feel like Amir Johnson was also a guy that, you know, sort of like died for Raptors sins. Like he really, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he really, <laughs> his brought... ankles in particular died yes. for Raptors sins. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like long before you know you had like scotty barnes and all these guys like walking around toronto and like loving it you know amir was doing like the zombie walks and like he was like an analytics guy that people loved and amir to me it's unfortunate that he couldn't have been some kind of like deep bench backup during um you know our our most successful times but uh you know, it's 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 sort of negligible because I, I then you know my own counterpoint is as I really think it's special that Norm was you know number seven uh, on that or you know he was in the top seven of uh, of yeah. the guys who were in the finals run like those yep. seven guys to me are just they're like extra special forever and yeah. I think for that reason it's fair to have him ahead of OG even though you know. Honestly, OG's appendix doesn't burst, and I feel like every <laughs> every you know series, all four series we had, are probably going to be one game shorter, and mm-hmm. OG plays over Norm for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, but you know that's that's not how it works, right? And and OG got really unlucky uh, before before the playoffs started, and uh, and Norm stepped up like you know he didn't have like Fred style moments in, in those runs. But like, like you said, against the bucks, he was, he was killer. Like just, just talk about a guy that's always ready. Like he was yeah. truly always ready. And I feel like, you know, it was, it was awesome that, you know, in that, in that bubble season, when he finally started, he was like, fine, I just won't miss. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and he just like stopped missing uh, and was mm-hmm. on fire. So. For what it's worth, I think OG probably passes Norm if he has the season we're kind of expecting from him this year, because I think it'll be kind of heights that Norm never reached kind of as a two-way guy. Obviously, that's putting a lot on OG's plate, but, you know, I think there's a real chance he has that kind of breakout this year. Um, But yeah, you know, the, the playoff success, I feel like I've weighed a lot heavier sort of putting these lists together than I ever kind of expected I would. I thought I'd just be like, well, straight regular season stats, this is what matters. But no, like the playoff stuff obviously is going to weigh on your heart a little bit and uh, and tug the strings of those rankings just a tad. Um, before we get out of here, Freddie, because we've gone a little bit long, I want to ask you for a prediction. Uh, and again, this is a prediction that will entirely be within my control, so it's a bit unfair to ask you. But uh, if you had to guess right now, where does Scotty Barnes land on his inaugural appearance on the list at the end of next season? Um, you know, Malachi Flynn, again, for reference, was a rookie this past season, played 47 games, ended up 89. It's not hard to be pretty high on this list with one good season. Where do you expect Scotty Barnes is going to land on next year's Ranking Every Raptor? Ver- version 5.0 of, uh, I guess, 75 to come before I'm dead. <laughs> I, I'm I'm just gonna say you know fairly arbitrarily I'm gonna put him 
uh, in between Gravis, uh, Vasquez, and Matt Bonner at 73. <laughs> I feel like Scotty is a uh, you know a pretty special player. He, he might dribble the ball off his foot a bunch, yep. but I also mm-hmm. think he is just going to do stuff that uh, is like downright shocking. Uh, I, I think yep. I think he's just physically is 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 quite something. And yeah, I'm not sure you know if if you know if Raptors fans who are too focused on the like their idea of what 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 they think we need now in terms of Suggs. I feel like once that simmers down a little bit and people are just able to appreciate Barnes for what he is and what he could be, mm-hmm. I think he's going to blend into even with even if he has a poor shooting rookie season. I feel like he's going to blend into almost every unit. Uh, you know, defense alone, and it's just going to be also the type of guy that fans like too. Oh, I mean, I feel like you mentioned like the Suggs noise. I feel like the Suggs like uh, buyer's remorse is gone just because of how well Scotty has endeared himself to the market. Yeah, um, the like Jays the game, Players Tribune piece, throwing out the opening pitch, eating jerk with uh, <laughs> yeah. Cardinal. Like he's, he's, awesome. he's there. He's fine. Everyone just loves Scotty as they should. Scotty rocks, um, and I'm excited to see his ascent up this list. I, I think that's a pretty good pick. I'll come back and yell at you if you're wrong next Please. year, uh, or maybe I'll exactly put him in between Matt, Matt Bonner and Grievous Vasquez just for you, Freddie. We'll see. Um, that's the beauty of being an authoritarian of your own list. I can do whatever the hell I want, um, but I look forward to seeing how the list shakes out next year with lots of new faces coming into town. Um, I like. I, I can't wait to put Gora Dragic way higher than everybody wants him to be, but he's going to be pretty good. I'm telling you, it's going to be. Everyone's going to hate it and when he's like 60th but everyone's gonna he's be a like, good you know player what? he was pretty awesome yeah like <laughs> like he's still a like, good player you know despite what a lot of people you know the, the frustration there like you know if he yeah. and if, if he plays a bunch of raptors games he's gonna he's gonna do some stuff like he's, i mean if lou williams is currently at 37 which is probably too high for lou yes. williams like goran drog you can have a better season than lou williams i know we won the six man and all that but like he was also a nightmare in the playoffs we'll nightmare. see um that was yesterday's <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll never talk about that again. I'm going to bleep that out. Um, Thank you. But if you want to hear about Goran Dragic, I talked about him a lot yesterday on the Mailbag Podcast, so go and do that. Um, that's going to do it for today's episode. That's also going to do it for the sort of sparse posting schedule in the offseason as media day is Monday, which means we are back to daily episodes as of next week, Monday to Friday, every day. We'll be with you. Freddie, you'll pop in for some of those episodes, I'm guessing, because I love having you on the show. Thanks so much for being here, man. Uh, where can people check out all of your wonderful stuff uh yeah th- thanks for having me man i, I love the show I'm, I'm i'm a fan i love doing it uh yeah uh please check out my show um confederacy of dunks uh at dunks uh, podcast i also started um with a, a fellow podcaster you know who's been on your pod as well Catherine niker um we started a wnba pod called the pickup yeah. and uh yeah it's uh we're both learning about the wnba and uh it, it's a bi-weekly show uh, it's on the Sonar Network, and um, yeah, it's really fun doing it. We're, we're having a great time. That's awesome. we got to get Catherine on soon, too, because Catherine rocks. She's uh, awesome. Maybe we'll get the both of you on. We'll uh, just have a little Freddie and Catherine fun. We'd love Either that, way, yeah. 
Yeah, that'd be a blast. Uh, either way, Freddie, thanks so much for being here, man. Uh, thanks to you, the listeners, for tuning in and subscribing on YouTube and all your favorite podcast apps. Again, free on all platforms, which is lovely. As many things go up, go behind paywalls, we are never going behind the paywall. Yes, we have a couple ads to read, but it's going to be free forever, which is uh, what we want over here on the podcast. Uh, so thank you, as always. We'll be back again on Monday with a Media Day breakdown, probably later in the day episode, as I'll be at Media Day, uh, and we'll probably post an episode after after I get home from that. I don't know if they're going to allow me to record around the arena, but with COVID and everything like that, like I typically would, we'll see. Maybe I'll pull up outside the arena and talk into my phone for a little bit. Well, either way, uh, we'll have an episode for you, Breaking Down Media Day on Monday. Till then, thank you so much for tuning in. Now, go and uh, check out Locked on NBA as they are recapping a crazy week in the NBA between the Wolves and the Sixers and everything else in between. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Bye-bye. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.